0: and welcome to the disability law show here global news radio good to have you along for uh, another show I want to remind you you can reach out to Savan and his crew any time at all even during the show after the show whenever it's uh, convenient for you it's simple toll-free number first that's 1-855-821-5900 you want to go to disabilityrights.ca there as well we've been doing a long-running 30-minute tv show As it pertains to disability rights called the Disability Law Show. Go figure. You can check out links to that. And we always direct you to mydisabilityquestions.com. It's a great website. You can ask questions there about uh, your particular case or something you've always wanted to know about your insurer or disability law. Savannah and his team answer those really quickly. It's also searchable. So you can go in there, type in your question, see if one's similar or exactly the same as your question has been asked and answered. If not, leave it there and it will be taken care of. So again, mydisabilityquestions.com. questionscom uh, emails already piling up here uh, today, Savannah. So we'll get to those. But first, you've got a few things off the hop to cover. How are you?
1: I'm good John uh, it's been again one of those busy weeks and it's interesting since we opened our office uh, in Alberta in Calgary um mm-hmm. you know I've been getting a lot of of questions you know from people there and of course you know we have offices obviously uh, throughout Ontario as well as in BC uh you know again our goal here is to educate the public to empower them when it comes to long-term disability claims I am a lawyer Uh, My colleagues at the office, James, Tamar, Albert, Mike, all these people, they're lawyers. We we have a full team on hand, all working remotely, all here to give you information and to answer your questions. If you or someone you know has been denied or cut off long-term disability and you have questions and you want to know what to do, what your options are, this is what we do. We give you this information for free. Uh, Feel free to contact us by email, by phone, Again, doesn't matter if it's, on the, it's a weekday or a weekend, 365, we're going to get back to you. So, John, let me start off with a question that was posted just this past week from a lady in Ottawa. Um, and again, we have an office in Ottawa as well. Uh, and this was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. And here's what she writes. She says, um, I'm a federal government employee. I appealed my uh, LTD denial, but I am in financial crisis. If I don't get paid in two weeks, I cannot pay my mortgage. Should I go back to work? If yes, is it going to impact my appeal? Does gradual return, uh, will gradual return to work impact my appeal? What uh, financial options do I have? Right. So there's a few things to unpack here. Number one, you know, I do get this a lot, John, from people who say, I've been denied or I've been cut off LTD. I have no money coming in. I have to pay the mortgage. I got to pay, you know, for the kids' activities, whatever, you put food on the table. What do I do? Do I go back to work? And it's a difficult question to answer because I always start from the proposition of if you can work, then you should work. You should not be Mm -hmm. at home. You should not be getting this disability. It's only there if you cannot work. The problem is that most people are in a situation where they have no choice and so even against medical advice, even against what the doctors are saying, they say, well, I have to go back to work. There's no choice. I got to put food on the table. And the problem with that is that you may be able to go to work for a day or two, maybe a week, but if your doctors say you're not ready and you really are not ready, the reality is you're going to fail in that return to work um, you know, try. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you do it gradually, again, it may work, and if it works, fantastic. But if it does not work and you're unable, in fact, to complete that return to work uh, tryout or gradual return to work program... You're gonna be in a worse off health situation than you were before you applied. And that's why I tell people that as soon as you get denied, or if you are getting LTD and you're told that at some point in the next few weeks or few months you're gonna be cut off, contact me immediately. Let our team actually jump in there and try and either avoid the cutoff by dealing with the insurance company and getting them to, you know, to 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 back off this idea of a denial. Or prepare everything, all the groundwork necessary to hit the insurance company hard now so that we minimize the amount of time that you have no money coming in. Now, this lady here is talking about her appeal. Now, think about this, John. She needs money. She needs it within the next few weeks. And she's talking about an appeal. And what do we see when people talk to us about appeals? People contact me sometimes after they've tried to appeal once, twice, three times. And by then, months and months have passed since the initial denial or cutoff. Sometimes it, you know it's been over a year, sometimes even over two years. and you know what happens if you were cut off over two years ago and you're yeah. contacting me now and it's over that two- year mark, your claim, your legal claim may be barred. You may have actually forfeited all the money that the insurance companies owed you is you know owes you. So I tell people don't bother with these appeals. Please, please, contact me before you even contemplate doing them. If after speaking with me or someone on my team, you still want to go through the appeal, we'll give you some tips on how to maximize those appeals. But those appeals are generally useless based on my experience, based on my colleagues' experience, not just those who work with me, but disability lawyers all over. Uh, You You know, know, the problem is people...
0: People people watch too many criminal trials and they think, oh, I have yeah. to appeal. It's a natural process. So here, oh look, I got my appeal. Okay, let's get that started. That's where they got to put the brakes. This is on not a right legal. You're
1: right, John. This you know? is not a legal appeal, though. We're not talking about you know right. you go to court and and you know the judge rules against you and then you appeal that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a a uh, um, a non legal appeal. So, so essentially, here's what happens: you get denied or cut off long term disability, and the insurance company in that letter where they've denied you. They tell you at the end, you can appeal that decision. You can send new documentation or whatever other information you have, send it to us and we will re- review our decision. Hmm. Think about that. You're asking the exact same people who denied you in the, first time, in the first place to review their decision. Why would they change their minds? Right. In most instances, they don't. In some instances, rare ones, I've seen them actually reverse course, but that's rare It's rare. In my experience, it almost never happens. And I still, I know I keep hammering this. I still don't have any statistics from the insurance industry as to how many of these internal appeals actually get overturned and and are successful uh, to the benefit of insureds and claimants. So for this lady here, you know, my advice is this. If you are able to go back to work, go back to work. If you're not able to go back to work, let me try and deal with the insurance company right now now on your behalf don't bother with this appeal i don't know that i can do anything in two weeks time because i can't start a legal i mean i can start the legal process but i can't force the insurance company necessarily within two weeks however however we have had in the last few months a fairly high rate of success relative to to earlier i don't know why where as soon as we get involved and write a letter to the insurance company or an email they backtrack and they immediately reverse position and, uh, you know, they agree that the person is in fact disabled and they start paying that person or, or just basically, you know, put them back on claim. So again, you should contact me or a member of my team, you should go to disabilityrights.ca. That's our website. You can just get information there, right? You can just watch past shows. Um, if you go to mydisabilityquestions.com, you'll see other questions like this lady's and the answers that I have been giving people. It's all free. It's just to empower people out there. Don't get to a point where the insurance company puts the squeeze on you, right? This is the worst situation, John. When people are disabled, they're unable to work, but at the same time, they have to have money coming in. This is why you should be reaching out to me as soon as you can so that you can get those options. Once I give you the menu of options, you can select what options you want and many of them may not have anything to do with me, but at least you know what your options are and that's the key.
0: Again, that number toll free. Use it, write it down, one 821 5900 A good place to start for a uh, more lengthy conversation with Savannah and his team. And he mentioned disabilityrights.ca. That's a great website. Again, uh, links to our television show there as well. And free questions and answers about your LTD. Any of them, bring them on. That would be uh, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, what else, uh, what else we got going
1: on before we break? Well, let's talk about another interesting situation here. So we had an individual contacting us, um, again, from Ontario here. And this is interesting. They've been asked by their long-term disability insurer to travel for an independent medical examination in Toronto. And they live uh, far away. I don't know exactly where, but far away. And, and the assessment that the insurance company wants this person to undergo uh, is a psychological assessment. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, this individual who contacted us, a disabled person, their family doctor advises against this travel and, and right. says that it's going to be dangerous for, for her and her family. She suffers from uh, from Lyme disease um, and, and, and uh, some other diseases actually that I can't even pronounce uh, uh, in addition to anxiety and PTSD, right. so there is a psychological element which is why the insurance company wants you to be assessed by a psychologist. What I don't understand here is why this assessment can't happen remotely, virtually. Why can't you do it by Zoom, Skype, Webex, whatever else? Why are you forcing this person to travel? Uh, and I've seen, by the way, cases where insurance company have demanded that a person travel over 10 hours oh. to get to an assessor. It's insane. Absolutely like insane. New York. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy, especially now with COVID. Right. I mean, Really? So, you know, and in this case, I think what this person did is absolutely correct. They went to their family doctor or whoever's treating them. In this case, it's the family doctor. You can go to a specialist or whoever else, you know, you you have. And they got a letter saying, my doctor advises against it for the following reasons. And here's the interesting thing. uh, And this is something people need to understand. When you're communicating with your LTD insurer about an assessment that they want you to undergo... You should not be telling your insurer that you do not or refuse to go to an assessment, that you do not want to or refuse to. Why? Because under the LTD policy, you have an obligation to submit to such an assessment, again, with some caveats. But generally speaking, they're entitled to have you assessed. But this is not an absolute right. And when you tell them, I don't want to go or I refuse to go, they can cite you for noncompliance for a breach of your obligations under the LTD policy and then use that Mm -hmm. to cut you off. So instead, don't say that. Simply say, "I'm willing to submit to this assessment, but I will not travel as per, you know, the medical advice from my doctor. I am prepared to do this. Uh, either there is an assessment close by, or if we can do this virtually, I'm happy to do that virtually. Right. Uh, you know, through, Zo- through Zoom, Skype, whatever. A- and if you do it that way, the insurance company is going to have you know a decision to make." Do they want you to be doing this virtually or do they just want to scrap it or or schedule you with a more with a closer assessor or whatever? But that's how you 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 deal with that kind of a situation. You should absolutely not do something that goes against whatever your doctors are recommending. I say this time and time again. I don't care what the insurance company's saying, your health is paramount. Your health comes first. And you make sure the insurance company understands that your health comes first. And the way to express that Is with the backup and the opinion that you get from your doctors. One last thing I want to say about this, John. Mm -hmm. This person that contacted us about this assessment also said that they've tried to speak with their union about this and that the union said that they cannot get involved. So, and I only want to mention this because, you know, on the employment side, if you're let go from your job and you're a unionized employee, Well, we can't help you. Only the union can help you. And this is just statutory. This is legislative. It's according to the law. I wish we could help unionized employees with their employment issues. We can't. However, when it comes to long-term disability, a dispute you may have with your insurance company and you are a unionized employee, well, guess what? In many, many instances, we can actually help you. What we do is we look at the collective agreement, we examine it, we try and figure out whether or not it was contemplated that the union would be the one to deal with LTD issues. And in many right. cases, that's not the case. So my point is, I'm not surprised that this person here who contacted us about this assessment says that the, their, their union turned them away. The union said that we can't help you, it's because unions don't have expertise in LTD. They deal with yeah. the employment aspect of the relationship with the employer, not with the disability aspect vis-a-vis the insurance company. So if you're a unionized employee and you're having an issue with your LTD insurer, maybe you're a teacher, maybe whatever other profession you have, chances are we can help you. Not always, but chances are we can help you. At the very least, again, contact us. It it will only take us a little bit of time, a few minutes probably, to examine the the necessary documentation, the collective agreement, and tell you if we can help you. And again, in many cases, we can help, can, underline can, help unionized employees with their long-term disability claims
0: take a a short break our our first one it'll be a short one so stick around in the meantime uh, you can write the number down either call now or later when you got some some questions for savannah or james or Tamar, another uh, very capable member of the team one eight uh one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred toll free of course disabilityrights.ca is the website put help at in front of that help at disabilityrights.ca we'll get to some emails that's the email address and finally again i'll give it to uh, give it to you before we before we pause, questions, answers, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That's the website. It's the Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamarkin here, of course, part of uh, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment-slash-disability law firm across this country with the offices here in Toronto and Calgary and B.C., so you're uh, you're well covered. Just call the call the number, really. Start there, one 855 821 Fifty nine hundred and the website disabilityrights.ca. I promise that we'll get to some emails, uh, Savan here in just a bit. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. But where are you taking us now?
1: Well, uh, so let me, let me read to you an email that I received from a gentleman. Cool. Um, his name uh, is, is Jason, and the subject of the email is uh, LTD buyout. This is something that we have talked about before. Uh, But it does come up occasionally, and I I do want to chat about this because I want to make sure that people fully understand what is happening there when the insurance company comes to them and says, we'll buy you out or we'll offer you a lump sum to close your file. So here's what he writes to me. Uh, He says, hi, Sivan, just wondering if you could give me some thoughts on a payout. I know uh, a few that have received it. I've been on LTD for four years now, and last year they forced me to apply for CPP disability because there's no treatment or cure for what I have. I did qualify for uh, and currently receive CPP disability. My insurance company still pays me the difference. I'm 48. Would asking for a buyout be something I would have a chance on receiving or something I should look into? Thanks in yeah. advance for your help. So this is interesting. And it's interesting because in this instance, uh, Jason is the one who's inquiring as to whether or not he should approach his insurance company for that lump sum, for that buyout. And what is a lump sum or a buyout for any listeners who don't know what that means? If you're in long-term disability, let's say we're talking about Jason here. He's 48 years old. He's been on LTD for four years. As most of our listeners know, John, to get LTD for the first two years, you have to demonstrate with the help of your doctors that you're you, you, because of your disability, you cannot do the essential tasks of your own, own occupation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beyond the two-year mark, the test changes. The test now becomes... You cannot do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So it's a more difficult test to meet. He's been on it for four years now, LTD. So that means if he has a standard policy, that he's qualified uh, beyond the two-year mark. So the insurance company recognizes that his disability is severe, and it's going to be there for a very long time. And again, that's reinforced by the fact that he's now getting CPP disability. So the government has now... Uh, confirmed that from their standpoint, this person, Jason, is suffering from an illness that is severe and prolonged. Okay, we've established that. He's 48 years old. Let's assume that his policy is a standard one that goes to age 65. So, you know, using my really, really bad math skills, we're talking about 17 more years of LTD. So, uh, what Jason is asking is, should I approach the insurance company and ask them for a lump sum now? In other words, should I see if I can negotiate some kind of a settlement whereby they pay me X amount of years into the future now, that I get a check now for that amount, uh, and then just you know end the relationship between me and the insurance company? And, and you know, here's here's the problem with that. Think about this: if you were the insurance company. You got yep. somebody that's on LTD for four years. That's forty-eight years old, which is relatively young, okay, nowadays. If somebody approaches you and says, "I want you to pay me what you were gonna pay me over the next ten years, let's say, but pay pay that to me now," I mean, immediately as the insurance company, you're gonna think to yourself, "Why is that person asking for this? Why do yeah, they why is want it money?" On my that door? We would... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, is that yeah. person better now? Are they planning on just getting this lump sum now and then going to you know finding a job the next day? and th- again, I'm not saying this is what's happening here. absolutely not. In fact, I know cases where this is exact the exact opposite. People need money right now because of emergencies. you know, maybe they lost their job and they have expensive medications. I know someone like that uh it maybe you know something happened that again they need a lump sum of money right now, and they're willing to forego you know the l t d for the rest of their life if they can get a chunk of money right now to deal with this emergency. Sure. But the insurance company is not necessarily gonna see it that way they're going to be suspicious and so they're going to put potentially a magnifying glass on Jason's case and and that means that he may get you know unwanted attention attention that he may not want right now you may have a different adjuster assigned to the file you may have him seen by one of their assessors right they may think okay well Jason is asking for a lump sum let's have him assessed by one of our experts a- and that experts come back and says well Jason is not really as disabled as you know he said he was yeah. And again, the insurance company may use that to cut them off now. So you want to be very careful. I'm not saying never approach the insurance company about a buyout, but be very careful because you may end up waking up a sleeping dragon. And and, and you know, I've seen that happen before. So I'm not saying never do it, but be very careful and be cognizant that if you do that, the insurance company may end up coming back uh, and not necessarily offering you a lump sum, but <laughs> Uh, You know, trying to to figure out how they can cut you off now that you've you know poked the bear. Now, this is very different, though. I want to make sure that people understand. Than if the insurance company comes to you, and offers you a buyout. So let's assume we reverse this. Jason did not come to them; they came to him. They figured, listen, we got to pay Jason for the next 17 years. What if we offered him like you know five years worth or 10 years worth of future benefits right now? Well, think about that. Why would the insurance company have an interest in paying you a lump sum right now, uh, something into the future? Well, it's because they want to save money. And again, sometimes this is the right thing to do for you to accept that. Uh, but if you have a disability that is severe, that's prolonged, you expect that to last you know, for the for the future until the end of, of your policy limit, until you're 65 or, or more, think about whether or not you really want to take a haircut here. Think about whether or not you want to take a fraction of whatever the LTD insurer is going to owe you from now until the end of the policy just so you can get that money right now. And maybe again, there is a reason why you want to say yes to that but you got to be careful. The insurance company is not offering you a lump sum to settle your file um, in, in the context of something like this. In other words, not in a litigation stage, not if a lawyer is involved but if they just come to you after you've been on disability for several years and they say we want to you know, offer you a lump sum. If you sign a release that says that you have no more claims against us, you have to be careful. They're not doing this for your benefit. They're doing this for their benefit. So simply do a calculation of how much money you're going to be leaving on the table. And, and you can try and negotiate with them, but that's rarely successful. Usually when they offer you a lump sum, they say take it or leave it. Uh, so again, you got to make that decision. We're more than happy to speak with people about their specific situations, John. But generally, if an insurance company is offering you a lump sum right now, after you've been on LTD for... A whole bunch of years, it's usually because they want to get a really good deal. They want to pay you a, a fourth or a fifth or a sixth of whatever it is that they know they're going to have to pay you down the road if they had to pay you until the end of the policy.
0: If you end up saying no to that suggestion because the math doesn't work, well, again, like your your other situation where you know the the, the insured reached out to the insurance company, will you be under more of a microscope? Uh, you know, will they put more scrutiny on you, saying, okay, he didn't want so now we're going to start maybe using surveillance or you know sending him for more assessments so
1: on and so forth because you said no nah, I'm good I'm just going to stay where I am It's possible it's possible and I've seen that happen I've seen that happen because uh-huh. the insurance company obviously is not happy with that right I mean yep. they offered you a deal you said no uh, they I'm not going to say they want to punish you but again what was the purpose of the deal let's think about the you know the motivation it's to, it's for them to save money they yep. don't want to pay you until 65 until age 65 so, you know, if they can offer Jason five years worth of future benefits and save 12 years of benefits and put that in their pockets, you know, if you say no to that, they're going to try and figure out if there is another way they can save that money. And the other way, the alternative, is to shake you off claim, to figure out if there is anything that they can do or say or have you assessed by a doctor that says you're not disabled and, and, you know, try and cut you off. So I've seen that happen. And again, the messaging is the same to everyone out there. If you are cut off or, or uh, denied long term disability, do not take that at face value. Don't assume the insurance company is correct. In fact, in more instances than not, in my experience, the insurance company is wrong. And when we get involved and then force the insurance company you know, to the table, because this is what we do on a daily basis, they pay. They pay. When we start a legal claim, if we tell you you have a case that the insurance company is wrong. And, and, you know, we start that legal claim within weeks or months, however long it takes, depending on the case, we get to a mediation, we get to a settlement uh, conference, we get to some kind of a situation where the insurance company says, okay, we are going to pay you X amount. And they open up their checkbook and they write a check to you. I mean, figuratively speaking, obviously, the point is they pay. And if you choose to walk away initially, if you choose to accept their denial or their cutoff, that's your prerogative, but that's money that's owed to you and your family that you're leaving in their pockets.
0: Have you ever had a situation where they've offered a lump sum, and it, like you said, it may be uh, you know twenty five or thirty percent of what they could potentially owe you until the age of sixty five? Where the situation maybe you know the person who's been offered this this uh, this lump sum maybe their wife is you know just finished work now they're on a pension or they're thinking of downsizing, and the timing is like wow this is actually perfect. I know it's not all the money I could have had for the next twenty years. But you have you ever advised them, okay, based on your financial situation, you might want to jump on this. Thereby, I mean, you're giving the insurance company a break. I get that. But for your own benefit, have you ever had a case where it's like, you know what, this might not be a bad – the
1: timing, you know, the stars have lined up here. This might be a good thing for you? You know, John, I love that question, and I'll tell you why. Because immediately when, when you raised that, I was thinking about not a legal – this in the legal context. I was thinking in right. the medical context. You know, I remember when my mother was very, very sick with cancer years and years ago. You know, the difference in going and speaking with various doctors um, around the GTA, oncologists, et cetera. And I remember the difference. I was very young then. And I remember the difference, you know, between those doctors who would simply offer their medical advice and then the ones who would offer their medical advice and then would actually talk to us about the practical advice you know, the, the life advice, do you really want to put your mother, does she really want to go through, you know, right. the, the treatments for this aggressive cancer, you know, what's the quality of life going to look like? So the reason I'm bringing this up is because in many cases, uh, as you are alluding to, there is, a, you know, the practical element. And I think, I think a good lawyer, I think a good lawyer, much like a good doctor, has an obligation in my mind to provide you, obviously, first and foremost, Whatever advice is the best advice from the expertise standpoint. So I'm going to give you the best legal advice, but guess what? I'm also going to tell you what I think from a practical standpoint, your options are and what you may do. And I will never judge you. If you tell me, look, I need this money now. And I've I've had that happen by the way, where people were offered a 10th of what the insurance company was offering and I said no do not please instruct me to reject that offer let me press ahead because I'll get more money for you just give me a little bit of time trust me and they said Sivan I need the money now and you know what John who am I who am I to say no you don't there is that practical element there are things in life that happen and I think that any lawyer that does not recognize that is doing a disservice to their clients so I always recognize that. We always have that discussion. To me, that is absolutely crucial because you can't look at the law, medicine, accounting, any of that. You can't look at that all these issues in a vacuum, right? There is yeah. life. Life happens, especially now. So absolutely, John, I've talked to clients about that, uh, and we've had those, those discussions, and I think cool. it's imperative to ho- have those kinds of discussions. And again, remember, the clients at the end of the day are the ones calling the shots. If you want to settle your case, you're going to settle your case. I have no issue with this. I'm never going to judge you. My job is to make sure that you understand fully what the scope of that settlement is and, and to do the absolutely best job that I can to get you the most amount of money that you are owed. Reach out as
0: we, uh, we go to a break there, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca, and email us help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back. Disability Law Show is what you're listening to. You want to reach out anytime to Savan and his team, 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca is the website, and you can always go to mydisabilityquestions.com for free questions and answers about your LTD. For yourself or a family member, no problem. Leave it there, and it will be answered. If it hasn't been asked and answered already, you can also search on that website as well. Okay, where are we going, Savan? What do
1: you got? So, so uh, John, this is not an email uh, or a phone call, this is a commentary that we get uh, every week from our friend, nice. resident insurance expert, Terry Corcoran, um, who I have known now for years. And this gentleman has been, well, he's retired now, but uh, before his retirement he was in the insurance industry on the insurance side for several decades in, in quite high positions, uh, specifically dealing with long-term disability claims. So many of our listeners are aware of him because he was on the show. And, in fact, we're going to have him uh, on again, I think, uh, uh, very soon. Uh, and he, he had emailed me some comments uh, after our show last week. And um, one of the things that he had mentioned that I do want to mention here um, is this. I had I had uh, said, and, in fact, I say this all the time, and James Fireman on his, his own shows, you know, my colleague, also says that whenever you're dealing with a long-term disability adjuster, please... Um, uh, write down the conversation, not not word per word, but confirm what was discussed with the adjuster um, after the phone call, email your adjuster, say, you know, as per a conversation earlier today, an hour ago, two hours, ago, whatever, here, here's what you told me, here's what I told you. You want to have a contemporaneous record, okay, of this because when things yes. go south down the road and we have to get involved because the insurance company is doing something they're not supposed to to you or they're cutting you off or denying your claim, it's nice to have these kinds of, of records right and what uh, what Terry here uh, said and, and I think it's it's worth mentioning and in fact you know what I I will read you what he wrote actually uh, he, he said um, as you've probably seen in files and he's referring to insurance files when we start claims against insurance companies we get to see the insurance company's file So he says as you've probably seen in files, many companies do the same thing and you'll see it labeled, Quote, Record of phone conversation, or some such title. Okay. Uh, he says, in certain cases, I'd have staff prepare formal quotes further to our phone conversation of and quotes letters if there was something he wanted made perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, the reason why he's mentioning this is because insurance companies do actually make records, internal records of these conversations, and you know, to the extent that there is an issue down the road with your insurance company and you know, it started a year ago with, I don't know, a threatening phone call or, or an email that was, not an email, but a conversation that was, you know, not appropriate or something. Insurance companies, every time they speak with you, they make a record to the file. The adjuster actually uh, writes down or makes a memo or a note or something like that goes on your file. So you want to make sure that you counter those, yeah. okay, with your own emails to the adjuster confirming, you know, as we discussed earlier today, this is what happened. This is what you said. You told me I have to go back to work. I told you I'm not ready yet. My doctor has said I'm not ready yet. You want to have those kinds of you know those kinds of 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 records. Because if you don't have those kinds of records, then guess what? When we get the insurance company's file, we're gonna have their contemporaneous records, but we're not gonna have anything from you. So it's always nice to be able to have that. It's a way of protecting yourself. And again, you're not doing this only when things start going south. You do this from the beginning. As soon as you're dealing with your adjuster, and this is not, by the way, only in the LTD context. If you have a, a you know, a home insurance claim, a car insurance claim, nothing's stopping you from just confirming conversations via email to the adjuster, even if the adjuster doesn't respond back. It doesn't matter. The point is you've sent an email out. You have a record of what was said uh, that, again, is contemporaneous, so that a year from now, two years from now, a month from now, whenever... You know, we need to look back to see what was said. We have a record that at least you wrote down exactly of your side of what had happened. So that's absolutely key. The last thought that I wanted to mention, again come, coming from Terry, is that soon uh, for LTD claimants, uh, T4s will be arriving in the mail. So it's just a quick reminder to uh, to everyone uh, about the federal disability tax credit. Uh, okay. We don't deal with that, but it's something that you know, if you're getting that uh, T4As, uh, if, you know, for your case uh, for your, for your taxes, make sure you speak with your accountant and, and just make sure that you take whatever advantage, uh, y- you know, you can, uh, you know, to ensure that you get, uh, whatever credits, deductions, whatever your accountant says to you. So again, federal disability tax credit, if you are disabled and you are an LTD.
0: You know, you mentioned about taking your own minutes after conversation and sending that to your insurer, just so you have your own, uh, you know, you can counter anything they've written down. Is it a big deal if you don't get a reply?
1: No, no, no. That's what I was saying. It's not a big deal at all. I actually don't care if you get a reply. In fact, I'd rather you not get a reply. I'd rather the adjuster not take issue with what you wrote because then we can argue that in a way they agreed, right? Because if they had an issue with what you wrote, presumably they would have written back saying, no, we disagree. That's not what we said. So no, it's not an issue. And this is good because, again, it creates this record that we can look back to Uh, I'll tell you this, John, the strongest claims I have have dealt with throughout my career are the ones where the claimants themselves have been on guard when they were dealing with insurance companies. Okay? Those are the best claims because no one is going to protect you initially before I'm involved, before my team is involved. Right? The insurance company is not there to protect you. They are there to pay you as little as possible. That's just the reality of the way insurance works. Anybody who's ever dealt with insurance. Any context of insurance, travel insurance, house insurance, disability insurance, you know that insurance companies, I'm not saying they're good or bad, I'm saying that's just the way the model is. The model is for them to make a profit. Mm-hmm. And the way to make a profit is to take in premiums and to pay as little as possible or nothing at all. And they figure they figure it out every way they can possibly do that, and they do that. And so when you write to them confirming a conversation, you are building a case towards them if things go south down the road. That's the best way to protect yourself.
0: Let's take a uh, short break. we got uh, more to come here. We'll get to some emails after we uh, take a break. As promised, uh, Joshua, you're going to be first up. Thanks for sending that along. And you can do uh, the same. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address, the phone number, toll free, of course, one eight five five eight. Two one and if you go to DisabilityRights.ca, you'll catch episodes of our long-running TV version of this show, the Disability Law Show. It's thirty minutes, so you can view that as well whenever, uh, whenever you like. Joshua, you're up next. As mentioned, the emails. Where we're going to go after a short break. This is the Disability Law Show on Global, and welcome back, Disability Law Show. Here's the uh, here's the reach out one eight five five eight one fifty Don't forget MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That's a place where you can go and uh, ask your questions about anything under the umbrella of disability law. Maybe you're dealing with an appeal or a disability insurer, maybe for a friend or a family member who's uh, who's not capable of doing so. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Also a searchable database, which is cool. So you can see if your question has been asked and answered before. Uh, as well, email address is mentioned, help at disabilityrights.ca. Joshua, you were up first. Says Hey, guys, I've been... Uh, Having a lot of back pains and my MRIs show that I have degenerative changes. I have a lot of trouble sleeping, walking, sitting, and standing. I'm on medications all the time, and because I don't sleep, I feel like I'm a zombie during the day. This becomes worse. Uh, this became worse after an accident I had about a year ago. My doctor agrees that I can't do my job, but he says that there is no point applying for LTD because I'm not quote-unquote totally disabled. I don't understand that. I can't do my work, so how can I not get long-term
1: disability? Joshua, this is it's a good question. Um, so first of all, I can tell you, just based on what you've written us, you are uh, disabled for the purposes of long-term disability. So your doctor is wrong. And I don't begrudge your doctor. In fact, I have seen this time and time again where you have... Uh, physicians, psychologists, uh, other types of health practitioners who are telling their clients, their patients, uh, that they should not bother with long-term disability because they're not going to get it, because they've had other patients that applied and they did not get it, because they're not totally disabled. And and that is simply wrong, And, and it's not because these individuals uh, good-hearted individuals. It's not because they're trying to mislead these patients. It's because they're operating from the vantage point of their, their own experience, mm-hmm. and also they take the term "totally disabled" at face value in terms of it just means sort of what they think it means, which is totally, completely, a hundred percent. Right. If you go to the thesaurus and look at the word "totally," it, it most likely will give us you know the type of words that that indicate complete. Right. Total shutdown means everything is shut down, right? The the you know if if you say we have a lockdown, so there's total shutdown of businesses. Well, there is a total shutdown of businesses, right? Yeah. Same thing here. You say totally disabled, immediately as a non-legal person, or actually as a non-disability uh, uh, expertise person, person who have expertise in disability. You think it means you have to you'd be in a coma, have to have a brain injury, have to you know completely be bedridden that is not what total disability means under ltd policies it's a much lower bar to meet that's not to say that if you can go and play ball outside you know you can say to the insurance company that you are totally disabled you know from doing a desk job no absolutely not but total disability all that means is that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation and you know what john many people that we deal with uh, have psychological issues, psychological yep. disabilities, depression, PTSD, etc. They can go and buy groceries, but they can't get out of bed. You know, for most of the day, not because they can't physically, they can't psychologically. So they, they would actually qualify under under the, the uh, criteria of total disability. Now, in this case with Joshua, you know, he's got the general changes. He has a whole bunch of other issues that he's dealing with. He says he's got all these medications. He feels like a zombie most of the day. He had that accident. And his doctor agrees, this is key, his doctor agrees that he cannot do his own job at this point. If that is uh. the case, the doctor, all the doctor has to do is prepare a letter, a report uh, that states, you know, my patient Joshua uh, is unable uh, to, to work at this point in time. Uh, and in fact, if it's in the foreseeable future, he can say in the foreseeable future. I mean, no doctor is going to say in a case like this, he's ever never going to be able to work. So, no. you know, you don't need the doctor to say that. But the doctor does need to explain in his or her own words why it is that Joshua cannot do his job. Why can't he go to his job from a functional standpoint? What's preventing him from doing his job? And as long as Joshua has that kind of a letter. So we're not talking about like, you know, something on a paper napkin where a doctor scribbles, this person needs time off. That's not it. The doctor has to explain why is it? What are the reasons why this person cannot go to work? What are the treatments that are being prescribed, you know, that confirm that Joshua is undergoing those treatments? Uh, and, And as long as you have that and you give that to the insurance company, you should get LTD. And if you don't, if for whatever reason you don't, that's when you reach out to us, okay? That's when we can tell you if there's something missing from the report or if the insurance company is simply wrong in denying you And you are owed money, and we can, again, force them to pay you that money. So Joshua, I can tell you right now, your doctor is wrong when it comes to this. Listen to your doctor on the medical side. Don't listen to your doctor on the legal side. They're not, you know, the doctor is not a lawyer. And and again, despite best of intentions, sometimes doctors, physiotherapists, chiropractors, psychologists, sometimes they don't give the best advice when it comes to the legal Component of, of a question that a, that a patient has, what what her, what his doctor ought to have told him in this case, is consult a disability lawyer, you know, consult a disability lawyer if you have questions as to whether or not you would qualify, uh, okay. or at the very least apply for long term disability. What do you have to lose? I mean, the doctor confirms here that he cannot work, so you know, again, uh, doctors are not doing this because they're trying to prevent people from getting disability; it's because they are being, you know, sort of blindsided by this terminology of total disability that was created and designed by the insurance industry, in my view, in my view, to thwart and to stop people from applying when they have legitimate claims. I think we
0: got time to get Brock's email in here quickly. Brock says, uh, my best friend is a paramedic and has been struggling with depression for years. Earlier this year, he was called to a house after a shooting, and what he saw traumatized him. He's been seeing a psychologist shortly after and has been on medications. He went on sick leave and tried to come back to work twice, both times not successful. His supervisor is not understanding at all, and this has created an even greater difficulty for him and exacerbated his situation even more. I don't know how to help him. I told him to apply for LTD, which he did, but he was denied because the insurer doesn't think he is totally disabled despite the psychologist and family doctor saying he should be off work. Can you help him?
1: Absolutely. Brock, first of all, thank you. Thank you for writing to us on behalf of your, of your best friend. And, and, John, this is something that... You know, I, I want to highlight, many people end up reaching out to us because of loved ones or friends, colleagues, people who have listened to the show and have seen the TV show and are putting these individuals who are you know, in a very, very tough predicament with their insurance companies in touch with us and so that's how we help them. And, and Brock, I can tell you right now, your friend, being a paramedic and having gone through what he's gone through, I think the insurance company is insane here, even what you've written us in denying his claim. And this could be actually one of those cases where not only is the insurance company going to be be on the hook, uh, we're going to force them to pay your friend what he's owed, but potentially go after them for extra contractual damages, punishment, punishment damages, to force them to pay him not only what he's owed, but extra money for the hell they've put him through by denying his claim. So if you're out there again, and you've been denied or cut off long-term disability, get in touch with us, get the information you need. It costs nothing to speak with us and get this. Brock,
0: we'll uh, wrap it there for the day. Good way to end the show uh, today as well, pal. You want to reach out to Savannah and his crew. I'll give it to you one more time before we uh, before we leave. Toll free one eight five five eight fifty nine hundred Again, website disabilityrights.ca. That email address we use every show is help at disabilityrights.ca. And questions and answers, all kinds of ways for you to get in touch. This one's absolutely free, and there's a searchable database so you can see if your question has been answered in full already, save you some time. If not, leave it there. My disability questions. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.